Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the uh, 1st of April, 2021, no fooling, and we're not, we're not, just to get it out of the way, we're not, I don't know, unless Dave has one, they has told some, I, I don't got no, no April Fool's joke, but it is April Fool's Day, uh, 2021, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing, just on the off chance, I mean, it's, it's not a really good joke if we telegraph it's a joke, but hey, you got a, you got a good joke? <laughs> I, it's, I wish it's I did. It's before but... noon where you are. It is. It is. But I, I don't. I actually woke up today and went, oh, yeah, I probably should have thought of something. <laughs> but but how, do, how do you top 2020 and 2021 so far? I mean, honestly, like you can't really pull much of an April Fool's joke today because yeah, like <laughs> I don't think anything surprises anybody anymore. Yeah, that is very true. But you could at least be entertaining. But I wasn't. But, uh, but there you go. <laughs> I, 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 I had nothing this morning either. But again. Um, I think just to get through the last uh, 13 months, we've had to suspend so much disbelief and, you know, just push through like, 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 like living in an active novel or history lesson. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to, it's, it's really hard to top that. <laughs> just <laughs> reality is just too weird to weird out on reality. Yeah, um, sure. Today's opening season, the geekiest game uh, ever invented baseball comes back for real uh the jays are playing cricket right you know what (laughs) one of the things i got from the locked from the uh covid lockdown i understand cricket i can explain to you how i honestly goodness can explain to you how cricket works all right i got into watching to, to watching the indian league um and oh my god it's actually a really cool game it all has to take place inside this big circle if it goes outside the circle the play is dead that's what we don't understand in uh, in North America. We think we want to hit it out of the park. No, it's all going to take place inside the circle. That's all oh. you need to understand. Everything else is uh, pretty intuitive. <laughs> okay, so we got a lot to get through. Um, today, April 1st, and again, no fooling, it's also Flock Day. Federated Leaning of Cohorts is uh, Google's new um, method of measuring analytics. Um, or, I'm sorry, measuring web traffic is... Uh, replacing cookies to a limited audience. We'll get into that later. And in fact, we have Alan Connect from Connectology, one of uh, the industry's long-term experts on uh, measurements and analytics. He's coming on later to talk about Flock. Talk about Flock, but before we get there, stuff happened. Um, So where do you come down on EAT? Uh, Expertise, authority, and trust. Um, There's like... A serious debate in the SEO community if EAT is even a real thing, even though it's obviously a real thing. Um, part of the uh, Webmaster Raiders guidelines. Um, where, where, Dave, where, where, where do you come down on this, like the, the, the whole EAT, EAT thing? Like, uh, you mean as far as its impact on SEO? Oh, and uh, yeah, and also on SEO's understanding of the concept. <laughs> I think, I think that we still debate it shows that at least half 
have a poor <laughs> understanding of it. Now, of course, I have mine, and I'm like, and if you disagreed with me, you would think I'm the one with the poor understanding. I like to think I'm not the one with the poor understanding. To me, I, I think of, of, of building, well, in their case, a machine learning system. That was the first thing that jumped into my head. But basically, any algorithm and going to your engineer and going, here's a bunch of stuff that we need to happen. Right, like here's a bunch of signs. Let's say your 200 signals, this mystical, magical number that we <laughs> still keep dallying around as as relevant. Um, but you, you know, you're you're handed these these 200 and said you need to like twist these knobs and and make this work in, inside the algorithm and build me an algorithm that that works with this. That's basically like in a, in a horrible, horrible illustration, but uh, basically what's happening with eat, right? It is where eat is not meant to be this jams into the algorithm. It doesn't jam into the algorithm. It's not part of the algorithm, but this with eat, the, the, the sort of guidelines are then written uh, and the, the sort of reward set of a machine learning system is written so that the algorithm itself can reflect what is known to be good using eat, right? Which is what their quality readers are using to judge good versus bad. And that's being used to, to train or at least influence the engineers um, building the algorithm. So yes, it is not part of the algorithm, but it has a direct impact on the algorithm because it's either used to train it in a machine learning system as, as the like positive result set or engineers are taking a look at that and going we need to program this to make sure that we're favoring the sites that have you know higher higher eat values so i i don't know how we're all still debating this (laughs) well we're debating this because i mean the real question is not as much what is eat but as seos how do we deal with the concept of expertise authoritativeness and and trustworthiness and what google really wants out of it right and i think seos got to understand that um Eat is not an expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness. None of those things are actually ranking factors because you can't, right. you can barely quantify any of that. Mm-hmm. They're aspirational values that uh, Google publishes and it, it, it tells its rating guidelines people this is what we're looking for when you rate the quality of search results. It, so it also tells SEOs that this is, as, as you said, Dave, this is what engineers are striving towards. This is what they're, um, gearing towards when 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 teaching signals or or, or programming signals into the ai system that, that the ai is supposed to learn from but to say that there's um a way to quantify any of these points um as a webmaster that's that's a lot more difficult um for instance google doesn't know who the author is google isn't looking up the author and cross-referencing with the with the blog post that's not happening but a person with a um, PhD in doctorology will write certain phrases repeatedly the same way over and over and over again. And Google's AI over time learns to understand that somebody who uses these phrases in this context over and over and over again, very likely has a PhD in doctorology, you know? Well, and, and one thing I, I think that a lot of people miss too, because you, you bring up a, a good point, like they can't work with just, we, we saw authorship. We know what's not there, right? Like they, they tried, they, they did they try. Tried. 
And, and I think that helped them train the system in how they find that doctor of doctorology, right? Like to go, okay, now we've got this, now we've trained the system and now, now it can do it by itself. Um, which, which I'm just going to say doctor of doctorology a few more times. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's like blue widgets, right? Um, but to use their own example from the guidelines as well, just to add a, a element of, of, and I might, I'm going to be sort of slightly misrepresenting it, I'm sure. But if you wanted to seek strong medical advice from, uh, you know, like you needed to, to figure out what was wrong with you or, or, or whatnot, or a doctor was doing research, they would go to that article by the doctor of doctorology and they would try and find out. Now, however, if I'm seeking medical advice from the context of, you know, Mary's just been diagnosed with something horrific and I'm actually looking to find, she has not, by the way, but if you're um, going to Dr. Google about that, yeah, you shouldn't be going there. <laughs> but if now my queries into Google relate to how to deal with being a support person, I'm going to have a lot of the same queries, but according to their, their, their guidelines themselves, no longer as that doctor of doctorology, the expert. Now, all of a sudden, somebody, just a lay person, who happens to have the same experience now becomes the expert, right? Because they don't have the trust, but they have experienced how to help support somebody with the condition X, Y, or Z, right? As opposed to, you don't need that doctor of doctorology to tell me how to support my, my wife through this, right? Oh. So it, it's dealing with different levels of, of trust and expertise. What does it mean? It means a different thing based on context. Ultimately, it means good, strong, relevant content that is geared towards answering queries that the uh, user might be posing. That's going to win. That's ultimately. Yeah. But you know what? It's way easier if I ramble for about five minutes for us to a podcast than for you to summarize <laughs> it in one sentence uh, that's appropriately. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Google gives us tons of stuff to talk about. We've got a couple more things we want to talk about before we get to Alan, who is sitting there waiting in the green room. So Alan Connect. Connectology is, is coming up um, after those messages, but we're not quite there yet. Google updated the Core Web Vitals uh, FAQ. Um, there's a really good article over at Search Engine Roundtable. Barry put it up yesterday. Um, also first, had to get his name in. Oh, so, did perfect. It. <laughs> yep, we're, we're, we are running, uh, I think we've had 800 some odd episodes of Webcology, and we're running 800 for 800 on mentioning Barry's name. Um, Okay, first posted in December of 2020, Google has like updated the FAQ around Core Web Vitals. Um, here's a neat one. Core Web Vitals are important, like don't ignore them. But good quality content is more important. Google's more interested in returning the right answer than it is returning the fastest answer. Would, would, would that be a good way to summarize that? I will, I, I, I will. In 99% of scenarios, agree with you, except for those, and I've worked on one, uh, miserably slow sites work because they're looking at user experience, to your point, right? And and I've seen sites with like 12-second page load times on mobile. Okay, well, now maybe you. they'll sacrifice that content and go, the user's not going to wait anyway, so why even bother? <laughs> you know, Google looks at a different set of expertise there and goes, oh, geez, I'm not <laughs> dealing with that. Um Interestingly, if you have a really slow third-party application on your site, like a, a really, uh, say, a craptastic tool or something that was important to you, but Google doesn't care that it's somebody else's tool. They care about how quickly your page renders uh, in, in the mobile environment, so you're going to get penalized for that. Yeah. Or not penalized is the wrong word. You will not be rewarded. Well, your competition will be. Right. 
<laughs> right? Like that, <laughs> that little nuance. It'll, it might feel like a penalty, but trust us, it, it's not a penalty. And very much, clear I mean, about this. We, we saw that with the mixed content and switched to HTTPS too, right? Like if your plugins didn't update and they were calling in resources unsecured, didn't matter who was calling it, unsecured resources are being pulled into your site. And so you're going to get a mixed content warning. Well, I, I know that like most SEOs are looking at uh, Search Console now and they're looking at Core Web Vitals and they're like, they're looking at those lines in the smartphone environment and the desktop environment. And there's a ton of stuff to pull out of this article. Like, I have to strongly, strongly suggest that um, the piece over at Search Engine, uh, Search Engine Roundtable, Core Web Vitals FAQ update published yesterday is an SEO must read. It's um, a long piece, but it's one of those ones you're going to want to bookmark because you're going to be going back to it just, just to see. Um, you know, you bookmark the FAQ section from Google itself, but you're going to be going back to both of those just to confirm um, that Google is probably going to act this way or probably going to act that way based on the, uh, the stuff that Google themselves said. Time for uh, one or two, for one more. Uh, where do you want to go, Dave? Uh, it was funny. I like pulled up and I'm like, nope, don't want to talk about WrestleMania because I was just going to the tabs. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, we do have, and this is a, a, a fairly short one, but it, I, I find it interesting. Um, for again, very short search engine roundtable. 800 shows, probably well over 3,000 mentions of Barry in those 800 shows that you mentioned. Um, the, the story, I actually was sort of annoyed as I was as I was clicking through, but the title was accurate, but I, I didn't understand the context until I got there. Um, Google limiting key moments feature to a small set of, set of video providers where you can have, um, you know, sort of key moments through the video in, in sort of like a, a carousel uh, beneath the result. Um, I think it's a super, super useful feature. They've now pulled it back to just a, a core set uh, of providers, which immediately made me go, uh, don't well, make like mean? a specialist. Um, Danny has already commented um, on this, and I'm gathering that this is our must-haves list or for continued development, but the effort on their end um, is actually, he said, probably in weeks, not months, going to be rolling this out just as a general, everybody can have it. So it's actually, they're just pulling back sort of, I, I, I gather the sort of outliers um, that they don't really need in their in their sort of a-B testing pool. They're sort of like, while well, we're training to see how successful um, our generalized algorithm is at producing these, um, you know, here, here's our core set that it can measure success rates against. And I, I gather they were just sort of going, here's our like secondary betas that didn't really have, you know, didn't have enough videos, didn't have enough traction, whatever. We're just pulling those out, leaving it to just this, this few core set. Um, but yeah, it, it should be available to everybody, according to Danny. Um, within the coming weeks, not months. Now, just because I say available to doesn't mean you're getting it. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that when you're doing videos, you're going to have key moments cascading through them and, and that sort of thing. It just means it's going to be done algorithmically. So if you do it right, you'll get it. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of uh, stories, um, you know, in, in, in future sort of months um, on exactly how, how to maximize your odds of, of that happening. Okay. Um, we're going to have to take a break at that point. Before, before we go to break, I just want to throw a special thanks to Nava Hopkins for, uh, for recognizing all of us ghosts who didn't make it into that 200-some-odd super experts at SCJ. Uh, Nava, thank you so much, sister. Okay. 
On behalf of Dave Davies and Alan Connect, who is sitting in our green room, this is Jim Head from Digital Always Media. And folks, you are listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is April 1st, 2021, April Fool's Day, but no fooling. We're going to be back after these messages. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's Jim Hedger from the Joey's Media and Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing. And we're joined by Alan Kanak. Now, based in the north end of Toronto, Alan Kanak is known as one of the digital marketing industry's long-standing experts on analytics, traffic and user management, and ad efficacy measurements. Alan is a regular conference speaker, a twice-published author, and a regular contributor to Search Engine Land, Marketing Land, and other industry publications. Um, full disclosure, he used to be a business partner of mine. Alan's always going to be one of our go-to guys when it comes to new things in analytics. And uh, Alan Connect, welcome back to Webcology. Thanks for having me here. It's been a little while. It has, man. It's been like way too long since we've talked. And before, before we go anywhere else, I... We're, we're, we're sitting on a Zoom call, so we can, you know, this is the magic of visual radio. We can see each other. Um, I noticed that you've got this massive band. Yeah, dude, like you're, you're giving me the finger here with your middle finger, but it's got this big white bulb on the end. What happened? Oh, a little kitchen accident with a mandolin. I decided to, uh, you know, take off the tip of my finger. Oh, well, um, <laughs> you know, it's Makes meals stretch further. I'm seeing, <laughs> yeah, seeing Dave grit, gringy. Oh, yeah, as soon as he oh, said mandolin, man. I was like, oh, no. I, 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 fortunately, I can always say it happened. It appeared to happen in slow motion, and I was able to get my hands so I, mostly out of the way. So I just took off just enough that. Uh, it's going to grow back, right? Yeah, more oh, or less. Good. <laughs> mostly the nail. Took a good part of the nail off and a bit of the nail bed. Oh, oof. Yeah, so it makes typing very awkward. It's very fun when you type when you have a bandage on the tip of your finger the size of a, a small ping pong ball. No you got to type with your hand <laughs> finger up. But then when you go to hit the enter key to send, I got a number of emails where there's a garble at the end. They're going, what are you saying here? <laughs> you can imagine it sounding like a big bass drum every time it comes down. Yeah, so it makes type 
Yeah, at least the pain part is it is gone uh, after the, after being like this for three weeks. But <laughs> okay, today is well, it's April Fool's Day, but um, it's also Flock Day, the day that Federated Leaning of Cohorts is um, well, I guess released in uh, test phase um, in a number of countries: Canada, Brazil, United States, uh, Philippines, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, Brazil, India, and Indonesia, uh, also Mexico and Japan, <laughs> all over the place, really. Um, cookies are on their way out as a unit of measurement. Uh, federated learning of cohorts is on its way in. Alan, what, how, first off, what is Flock? Federated learning of cohorts, um, who named it? And how does it replace cookies? All right. The answer is it doesn't really replace cookies. And I'm not, I don't have a nice simple one word answer for this long created term where people try to come up with an alternative for cookies. It's uh, Google has launched their fourth version of Google Analytics, Google Analytics 4, which is trying to address those issues. Basically they're trying to, let's just take a step back to the old days, 25 years ago in Analytics, where everybody was tracked by IP addresses. That's how you knew who was coming to your site. Then so, somebody came out with cookies so that we could, oh, we'll put this cookie so we know if that same person's come back again. Well, everybody got paranoid. Why? And I always tell this story because when cookies first came out, programmers are lazy. And not any programmers, I apologize, but you'll know what I'm talking about. But they no, thought, they wow, are. I could use these cookies to have these remember me buttons on all these forms. And people were filling them in and all that information was being stored in a cookie. And you wrote a little script that would read the cookie back. Problem was people back then didn't have dedicated computers all the time. A lot of them were going to internet cafes, libraries, and they were doing silly things like filling in transactional records and saying, yeah, remember me. So sitting <laughs> on these things were credit card information and, you know, thieves who are very smart people went and put, you know, would download the whole cookie directory and stitch it together. So, Stupidity, and that started the fear of cookies. But on that basis is what this whole federation and the stitching together is trying to do. It's trying to come up with that combination of, we used to use IP addresses, browsers, and things. Well, now most people are on a Chrome browser. A few people are on a Safari browser and a few other ones out there. And we're trying to tie it into who your ISP is. But guess what? Now you're on your mobile phone. So can we grab your ESN number? So they're trying to grab all these unique identifiers that are going to say, it's you, and create that as a cohort and try to now track you and identify you that way. So, so as we understood it, or at least as I understood it, um, and like you said, at the very beginning, um, you're measuring by IP addresses. Now, IPs change, but that's still pretty identifying. Yeah. Then they started measuring by cookie. They would have a subroutine, a little... A little uh, uh, a benign piece, piece of code, code that, that just we printed I in your uniquely, would, yeah, would uniquely identify your computer, not you, but on that, different devices. It was this device. It was that processor that did yes. that action. Yeah. So that's still fairly identifying, and you can understand why people are are, are paranoid. You're saying that uh, federated federa- federated leaning of cohorts. Um, I love Google names. The federated leaning of cohorts is taking a bunch of things that could be identifiers of you and making that into the cohort? Basically, yes. But each piece on their own can't identify you. But you put them all together. 
And then it identifies the unique year as a user, but doesn't identify, this is Jim Hedger. Doesn't identify Jim Hedger's computer, but they know, let's say, they haven't released everything that they're sticking in this back end. Well, what's the difference between Jim Hedger and Entity XYZ? Well, it, it means the name? They can, they can, it's a name, but they can't come back and trace it to you. They can just trace it to a persona. The person who loses his cell phone and goes everywhere they, where the cell phone goes. Well, uh, the best analogy I can give you, and and we all deal with Amazon just about out there. I found a few people still don't buy things from Amazon. Just think of when Amazon, uh, for anyone who's familiar with it, you, have, you can access it on your phone through the app. You can access it on your computer. I don't have to log in. It logs me in once and it always knows. When you log out, it's like, why do you want to log out? And it, But it has all these things. If I go to a new computer, it'll throw all sorts of questions at me. But now it's tracking me on Amazon by my user ID, an internal user ID. Well, I think users are okay with stuff like that. Like, and 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 then it's privacy nightmare if you really want to get into it. But users, it's the convenience right. trade-off. I think you know, um, are very happy. I mean, this is how Spotify can make suggestions um, to you. This is how uh, uh, shopping carts um, remember what you have ordered in the past. Um, how how uh, uh, Netflix makes recommendations or. Oh, Facebook uh, serves ads uh, tailored towards you, right? It, it is partially tracking by a customer ID or user ID, but part of it is, and if anyone's had fun with Amazon, and I like using this analogy, you go onto a stranger's computer, you log in, it knows who you are, but then it'll make it more difficult for you to place your orders. And that's part of the analysis. Like It's going to go, hold on, this is a new computer you've never used before. It may ask you to log in to double check something in your credit card. I ordered something today. I didn't even have to put in my verification code on the back of my credit card. But if I did it on a computer I haven't used in X days, it says, hold on, there's a security potential here. And it's pulling in all these other factors, only one of which is your user ID. And that's the general premise of what's going to be happening on the future of analytics, whether it's Adobe or Google, they're gonna be trying to come up with all these other factors that help identify that returning visitor to your site to distinguish is it a new visitor to your site is it a returning visitor to your site and it goes far beyond the use of a session cookie or persistent cookie it's going to be you know once again people are talking about it they come up with all these great terms but nobody has put in you know the key you know here is exactly all the elements in it they're just saying we're pulling all these variable Unique behaviors, when combined, identify a unique individual. So just to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm understanding, because this is a, a highly complicated area, and I, I've, it's one of those, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where I'm like, yeah. I know a good deal of stuff about this because I, I know about like 5% of what might even kind of be available. Right. So I'm just going to look for a verification here to go, you can take me off that ledge and make me feel stupid again because that's how I'll actually get to uh, learning something. Um as I understand it, we would now, the way, I'm, I'm going to look at Google Display Network, just to, to yes. pick a network everybody knows and where you need to know, you don't need to know me, but you need to know what I want and, and what I'm interested in. So as I understand it, um, we, we'd be looking at a scenario where they don't know it's Dave. They don't even know my IP address, but they know that it's 
probably a, a Canadian male who likes sci-fi and works in tech, right? Like, I mean, right. I mean there's a bunch right. of other interests, but we're going. Where, right. And where they have not released it, and this is my worry, and because uh, also Google's being sued over what I think is the stupidity of how their incognito mode work, are they reading the cache of your computer? Mm. If you're using a Chrome browser, or basically there's ways of pulling information out of people's caches with code on us. Mm-hmm. Are they pulling out? So now they know that Dave, like, this is these sites. So that dictates that he's in tech, that it's a ma- most likely a male person between a certain age demographic. Right. Uh, but, you know, what most people forget is how many people, you know, out there have a Gmail account right. and, and use their Google account when they're logged in. Google doesn't care now about your cookie. They know who you are. I have to think, though, man, they would have some fun trying to put SEOs into cohorts with the variety of sites that we have to look at. Like, look at the sites I visit and try and figure out, do I like bath bombs? Do I like machine learning? Do I like SEO? You have no, am I a whitewater well, well, that's, <laughs> well, that, well, you know, that's the thing is I'm get, getting inundated with ads because of certain things I've had to look at in yeah. recent in the last few weeks, partially for clients. I'm not living the world of SEO like I used to, but analytics. Someone says, hey, can you go? I work on a client site and I spend a lot of time on that site. And all of a sudden now I get ads that are related to people who would be their target audience. Right. I'm not that's I'm not their target audience, but part of what Google has been getting very good at is those start to disappear. I'm not getting them as like I used to. However, for companies that let's say are using Facebook retargeting, mm-hmm. I still get them there. Right. So it's little things like that. So they're trying to create these cohorts. Uh, there was a cohort report for years in Google Analytics. Nobody actually understood how it worked. Nobody ever used it. And that was really, but if you look at, oh yeah, we can sort of group these categories of users in there. Okay, so that what you said just made me feel excellent because uh, 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 no, no, I'm serious. Because when uh, when when Flock was first announced, uh, I think back in um, September or something, um, yeah. a client asked, "Well, what is this going to look like?" And I told them, "I have no idea, but let's look at these interest groups that like Google's identified over here at the far end of analytics, and we know that they're grouping people and they're seeing that people are interested in." these like dozen or so, two dozen categories. So is Google, do you, Alan, do you think Google's gonna be grouping your interests, my interests and and, and, and and whomever's in that sort of way? They are already. And they but do it, that based on if you're logged into a Google account. And so that's gonna extend into its look at individuals in, in FLOC. Right, and I'm and I'm I'm making assumptions here. If someone is using a Chrome browser, which Google will control, and you visit site X, and then you go visit site Y, they gotta go. Oh, we're we don't we don't eat cookies. We know where you're being, where you were, where you went, and now we know. Oh, and you spent X seconds on the site. This means you're fit into this cohort. We can now serve and target you this way, from a marketing standpoint becomes yeah. a level of personal and they still will always have your IP address. Sorry, that that is they don't have to record it, but they know when it is. Do you think this will affect time-based systems? Like where my my will they 
if I had to say a, a new addition to the cohort that is me or, or the cohort to the group or the, I guess the cohort is the group, but like the, the sort of, now Dave showed an interest in X within the last day, two days, three days. Are they going to, which we can do like with cookies, that's very easy to do in targeting. How, how will that play out? That seems like it might start to add a lot of bloat to the back end system. Yeah, I don't think so. Once again, it's a spitting in the ocean. They've been pulling this data from millions, if not billions of users. And the fact that you have an admiration of, you know, oh, as you mentioned before in the previous segment, you know, your wife gets sick and you're looking up something. That is not a typical thing from the cohort you've been placed in. Right. Now, the fact that you're doing this, they might say, oh, you've joined another cohort. So now you belong to two cohorts. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, right. So, and I, I suppose then one cohort could have a stronger influence on time-based things based. Or, or something like that. Right. How long do you think, because I, I know it's going to happen and I, I know you're not, you're not a paid search guy, um, but do you, do you think we could put a timer on when Google will start to use this as an excuse to pull out targeting and sort of go, ah, you have to pick the whole states. You can't pick an individual state, right? Like, do you think they'll start doing stuff like that? Or like, is Google no, that evil? It's, no. it's, it, the reality is it all comes down to money. And if you, especially when it comes to local business, if you don't sell or ship outside of the state you're located in for whatever reason, mm-hmm. Maybe your service is, you know, regionally based. Why would you advertise? So you have to have that ability. Yeah. But once again, that is more IP based on the IP address. It can always reverse look up that IP address and where it's registered to. There's mistakes in that system. They don't have to record it. So part of it is when you're coming to analytics, what gets recorded out of privacy laws and laws that Europe has been passing for various ridiculous reasons, because, you know, the people want this, but the people don't even understand it. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they're like, oh, the people want, you know, protection from cookies. No, they want protection from people storing bad things in cookies that make them susceptible, but storing a randomly generated alphanumeric string of 30 characters, what difference does it make? Okay. So Alan, in your, in your career, you've, you've experienced uh, enough times, the good Google giveth, the good Google taketh away, right? We're moving into a uh, a new analytics um, interface, GA4, and uh, a new way of, of tracking users. Is Google going to be giving us more information, less information, or is the information Google giving us going to have to be used differently? With my experiments with Google Analytics 4, and it's still in beta, and of course Google's threatened, oh, it'll be, by the end of 2021, it'll be rolled out and everyone's screaming, and it's like, reality is they're nowhere there. They are changing the face of analytics. So analytics up till now has evolved out of from the days of access logs of tracking what a user did throughout the site. One of the things that has evolved over the last five, six years is people have learned and I've written and talked a lot about, you know, horrible key key performance indicators, KPI, where people are still, how many pages got viewed? How many users did I get? I said, who cares? How much money did your site make you? (laughs) How many leads did it generate? Well, yeah, but no. Knowing how many pages someone read before they filled in the lead, that might be valuable, but which of those, which pages do they read? And why did it take four pages to get convert? 
did they come in from an organic? Did that impact? Like there are, so was, we've gone to what's now became for key, key performance indicators for the KPIs, more event type behavior. So mm -hmm. how many contact forms filled in uh, per number of sessions, per number of unique visitors, however you, how many, you know, transactions. Uh, one of my clients were, they have customers that you only way you can actually get onto their site and look at pricing. You have to be a registered customer. So, and they, they pretty much have you know, like 80% of the market. So they're not out trying to grow customer base. So what this is goals rather than milestones, right? Like, right. And, but what's something. happened is for them is they don't want people calling in for the orders. So they're trying to now look at key performance indicators of what are people, what key events are happening on the site that our customers are using. Okay. Which customers access the site in the last 30 days, didn't place an order. Then they get their salespeople on. Why didn't you place an order? And they go and you've been calling in our sales office. And so it's, we've now become event oriented and that Google Analytics 4 is all going to be about events. It's not going to be, yes, viewing a, page, a specific page is an event, but knowing how they flow through that page is not an event. Do they read what, you know, read net, what do they read next? Google Analytics got rid of, you know, the page flows. Like we're used to be able to say, show me the, you know, four levels down, how, you know, from this page, where did people go? They've made it more difficult not because Everybody was so randomness and it, it's crazy because sites have gotten huge and it doesn't make sense. So they've now been saying, you know, from the, you can set up a segment from, if they view this page, what events occurred to people who view that page? And then is that page of value to me? And that's the type of thing. And that's where under analytics four and looks like Adobe is following a, is a similar suit is we're going to be more reporting on events. And it's the big problem is, and this is what I run into is, and SEOs have been running into this for years as well. Your, our clients, the people who own these websites, they haven't gotten their head out of calling things a hit from 30 <laughs> years ago. How many hits do my site get? And I go, what do you care? Do you even know what a hit is? And I'm not even going to explain that to this group because I'm sure the audience oh, knows better. it. Just they better. They better, better know. But I still get, I still see hear people reporting on the news. You know, they put up the video and it got a million hits. What does that mean? You know, views, do they view the whole thing? So people are now getting more involved in educating their audience on what should we be measuring and how should we measure it in terms of interactions, in terms of user events on the site. And that's where it's going. Now, whether that requires you to have users be registered users to track as unique ones, whether it is going to be, you know, the, with the day with Apple you know, in iOS now blocking a lot of cookies on the iOS phones, messing up analytics galore because you want to try to attribute things back to they came from this paid ad, they came from organic search. Well, we still get that, but how do I know that track that same user there? So yes, getting rid of persistent cookies, we may know not no longer have new versus returning visitors unless they have a registered ID, but we can still track through a session cookie, which gets stored in the cache and doesn't get stored on the, on the permanently on the computer. So there's the things that are going on in the background and people are still trying to work out this to make, you know, the government, the governments of Europe, the EU all happy and so forth. And yeah, and from, from, from the, the sense I'm getting from, from the way you phrased your answer, um, this is what's happening today. What's happening a month from now, two months from now, or at the end of uh, 2021 might be very, very different. 
Right. Well, when Google Analytics 4, and everyone says, why is it GA4? Because we're you know, using Universal Analytics, which is GA3. It's just, <laughs> it's, nobody ever, before it was Google Analytics 2, and before that, it was Urchin, which was GA1. The, all the analytics people, including myself, are learning to use GA4. It's requiring now, not just having your Google Analytics put in there, you need a back-end database. So Google Analytics with Google Analytics 4 is now giving you a big query database. So now you've got to be an SQL programmer extraordinaire to start pulling out and doing all these reports, which, yes, I used to know SQL, but I'm so rusty at it, I'm horrible. And But it's now becoming a whole different skill set into the worlds of analytics to get clients migrated over. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get to hang around for a couple minutes. Sure. We've got to uh, get a couple hits on our uh, on our uh, commercials here. Um, Google. I'm putting you on notice right now. Um, if you pull back on GA4 and cancel this whole thing at the end of 2021 because it just wasn't working out for you, we're going to be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of uh, Dave, Davies from uh, Peanut Internet Marketing and Alan Connect with Technology, this is Jim Hedrick from Digital Always Media. Friends, you're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's April 1st, 2021, and we're back after these messages. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's April 1st, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Joey's Media, Dave Davies from Beansock Internet Marketing, and we're joined by um, analytics, um, industry analytics expert. I want to say guru, but that, that word is just like, yeah. not a word that we want to use anymore, but... We're joined by Alan Kanak, a dude who knows more about analytics and uh, traffic measurement than anybody else I've ever spoken to. Um, we're talking about uh, the, 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 the move over to GA4, um, the, 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 the deletion Lock. of cookies and introduction of federated leaning of cohorts, uh, Google's flock. Um, so that, that I wanted to ask, Google's introduced this as, as a way of measuring. And, you know, Google has a lot of heft in the... Uh, in the digital marketing space, obviously, but they're not the only game in town. Is everybody else adopting this way of uh, following web traffic? 
My answer to that is, I don't know what everybody's doing, but I know Adobe is working on similar concepts as well. And has actually probably took the lead ahead of Google. Well, then, then I heard you say that. That's what made me prompt this question. I heard you say that last segment. Similar concept. And that's the kind of thing that bugged me. <laughs> Shouldn't that be a baseline that like we could all sort of work with? And what, what does similar concept mean? Similar concept, as I mentioned in the previous segment, where from an analytics, from a KPI measurement standpoint, we're, we're getting away from the old, how many visitors, how many sessions, how many page views, to what actually happened on my site. Mm-hmm. You know, the only tell people, the only sites that you ever want to measure page views are, are when there's ads running on sites and you're making so many per thousand ads show, you know, you make so many per thousand page views, you generate a few pennies, right? Those are the only people who should really care about page view counts. Too many site because it's an old, so Adobe years ago started putting event tracking in, Google put event tracking in both through their tag management systems and so so forth. So they're both working in that parallel, but how you define an event, this is where it gets very tricky. And where I've always said, and I threw out the word hits in the last segment too, a hit was a hit, but what was a hit, right? A page with, Two graphics and an HTML body was three hits. A page with five graphics and an HTML body was six hits. So how could you even compare apples to apples? So then we say, we'll compare page views. But you had companies that say, well, we're going to put less content on a page and have a more button at the end, generating more page views. So a page view is not a page view. They're, you know, it's, it's, you know, comparing apples to oranges to avocados. All three are fruits. But you can't compare the same. Right? So my, my quest for a mythical baseline is, in fact, mythical. It's mythical. There is no baseline. And the worst is where people try to compare their website to another website's how many sessions, how many users. I've gone to websites and done audits, and I did one, and they had their session timeout set at one hour, meaning that if someone came back to their site within an hour of leaving it, it was considered the same session. The default sort of industry norm, and I don't want to call it a standard, is 30 minutes. So how could you compare your traffic and sessions to an, a competitor if they're set at 30 minutes? With a calculator, I guess. <laughs> you, you couldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> you know, have to. you know. You'd have to look at average session length and so forth. We had a meeting. Of course, they said, we didn't know that somebody set that way. <laughs> but some sites, it might be a justifiable reason. It's just like trying to compare, you know, you with your best friend growing up, you know, your parents have you sit, you know, shoulder to shoulder, who's taller? Well, when you're uh, three years old and the other one's your friend born the same year, but two and a half years older, of course, the odds are you're being bigger. By the time you're 10 or 11, probably about the close. By the time you're 18, it has no, the six months doesn't matter. And, and this is the thing. And analytics should never have been used for comparing two websites. This one does better. This, what should have been used is, well, how much money did they make versus how much did they spend to get that? The fact that you sold sold a million dollars worth of merchandise, but you spent 2 million versus a company that made a half million dollars in sales on the similar merchandise, but only spent a hundred thousand, which company do you want to invest in? 
Indeed, which was which one was successful? I, right. It's funny as you were describing it, though. I'm like, oh, it's it's actually that first one sounds like the company that just got a bunch of VC capital in. <laughs> well, that, and that's the reality. And some of the VCs are just like, what? How much revenue you get? Oh, we don't care about what you're. So VCs never tend to look at the profit line. They look at revenue potentials. Okay, now we got the VC. How much can we get revenue? What can we do to bring down operating costs and so forth? And that's why most of those companies fail. Because it was throw everything at it, get the sales numbers up so we get the VC investment. Then the VCs come in and say, okay, now we got to make you profitable. And, and it's using analytics the wrong way. But it's not to say that the company is making profit could be growing. Like there's all sorts of factors. So when you're evaluating how well your marketing efforts are doing, whether it is paid search, display advertising, uh, participating in it, or, you know, an online uh radio show, whatever it is, you need to look at other factors, what events are generating, lead generation, sales, uh, things of that nature that may not be always imminent. In many ways, it feels like this is a a change in the raison d'etre of uh, of SEOs to begin with, where we used to measure ourselves by um, fairly common metrics. you know, page views, uh, traffic across the site, uh, new visitors, stuff like that. Um, now we have to measure, now we're going to be put in a position to measure ourselves by events completed. Well, I would say from my days, old days of being an, an active SEO, uh, I always said it wasn't about a question of how many eyeballs I drove to your site. It was a question of how many quality eyeballs I drove to your site. Yeah, which eyeballs, indeed. And that was something back in my day I used to use to differentiate myself. And... I know of a competitor that that used to brag about how much traffic they used to drive to sites. Well, yeah, you can take a can of paint and throw it at a barn wall, and you can cover the barn wall with the paint by tossing it all at one time. But if there's only one little spot where you want to put paint on there, you got to go in with a paintbrush. So sometimes it's better to drive less visitors but higher quality visitors. So once again, we used to use terms of like long tail keywords. Those were the ones that were driving traffic to your site that were the quality that you wanted to get. Getting these broad stroke, look at all this traffic I do because you know I got you ranking number one for the word the. Well, the people typing the aren't your customers. Very, very competitive keyword phrase. Very, I'm very sure it is. Keyword, I, I, well, I always tell people in my, way in my back days, I actually had a client who ranked number one in Google North America for the word I, and it was former I Magazine. And they beat out all the optometrists and everything else. And then some senior executive there decided to change the name. Uh, it was like, <laughs> and, you know, but it was very competitive. But people who were typing in the sole word I weren't people looking for I magazine. Indeed. So we don't have to rank for that key word. We need to rank for the articles that are in your magazine. Or if someone read an article, that title plus the word I. Or, okay. We're, 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 we're pulling into our last few minutes of the, of the show, and this is the point where Dave and I actually start thinking of the really good questions. Um, one of which I think that SEOs out there, they, they need to know, how, how as an SEO do I pull information that Google's going to feed me through, um, through, through um, data gathered through the federated leading of cohorts? How do I pull that information to make it useful to my client? All right, so part of this, and we think about the flock, and as you said, we all said it's a horrible name, 
take a look at the cohort analysis or some of the uh, street user functionality. You have to think your customers, what Google is trying to do is say, here, the people who come to your site are also visiting these sites. They're participating in these sites. So as an online marketer, whether it's SEO or digital advertising, trying to figure out where they're participating, that's giving you a target audience to reach for. So your cohort, if Dave likes sci-fi and SEO, and I'm writing a campaign of people who like SEO and sci-fi, what sites are they visiting at? And then pull that out of your cohort. And that gives you your area to target. How much more complicated is this like backend stuff going on, on here? How, how much more complicated is this than just a traditional cookie measurements? And, and with that, of course, how much room for error is there? Like, I think the, the last number I heard was about 95%. They're like, it'll be about 95% as sort of, untouched as from from cookies just rough i, I mean i know i we, have, we won't know you know i have no family. idea yeah i don't think cookies are going away anytime soon i know too many european clients uh who when you go to their website they have if you're in europe we use cookies click yes you can click no but it's you're going to get the cookies and we're going to track you anyways and google's going to be setting <laughs> tracking cookies because you want the sites to work people have to come up with different ways to make things work uh you know, they say your user experience may be compromised if you don't, if you say no, uh, but you've been warned. And that's the same thing with the cohorts. Google is tracking what sites beyond the one that you're, you represent that your users went to. What's the group category? Are they going to news sites? Are they going to food sites? If food sites, is it restaurant type sites or is, is it cooking sites like recipe sites? Are they going to, you know, Food dot whatever or you know squash.com. I don't know what there's the site. <laughs> but <laughs> oh look, you 80% of your you know users who visit your site afterwards go look up recipes for squash. Oh, so now we know who your audience is. And then when you start saying, I want to target, and this is where I'm seeing Google coming out, is target like audiences to these cohorts. And it's not going to be based on cookie, it's going to be by based on. Google's internal tracking because you're using a Google Chrome browser mm-hmm. and Google's extracting tons of information that everybody knows and Google may or may not be acknowledging the truth on that. <laughs> but they they know a ton of where people who visit your site go. They're going to start categorizing them and you're going to have, I believe that within probably by the end of the year, that is going to be one of your offerings. Here are cohorts of people who've been visiting your site. Now you have to use your brain going, why do they go to these sites and they come to mind? You know, everybody goes to news sites, great. But do they have a common interest? Are they going to the technology reports on some national news uh, site? Or are they going to world news? And why would they? And then you're gonna really have to, it's not just being people who've, you know, retargeting, they have my cookie, so I'm gonna show them the ad. You're gonna have to really put, the thinking hat on and say, which one of these represent not only my customers that I know, but are going to be places I want to advertise where they're going to actually want to see my ad. I look for link builders. Will link, or is this, is this like link builders rejoice? We are giving you targets. It's giving you a category of people who come to you. Now, whether it's appropriate for you to have a link on those sites, I'll, I'll just use that squash example. I have no idea. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of squash, but anyway. 
Why are they going to your site? Maybe it you had a new maybe you had a new story about your new site and you had some squash farmer who picked up some I don't know came out and discovered everybody, you know, came out and his field was destroyed by, you know, hoodlums at night. And Oh, but you have some links to stories about squash and people were f- going afterwards there. That becomes part of your cohort. Is that where you really want to put links? But if you are uh, a recipe site and you have a recipe for squash and you say, want to know more about squash and all the varieties, click here and you're driving tons of visitors there, then that might be a place you want to get a link back. So once again, it's not a gold rush, here's, we give you your answer. We're just saying, here's where you can start looking. You're on a still on that treasure hunt for the elusive, where's an appropriate site to get that link back to me? Will that link be of value? Not only that for Google's perspective, whatever links are worth these days back, back to your site. And I always tell people, don't get a link on a site if it doesn't relate to something on your site. You know, Novel Alan, concept. <laughs> I, I got to say, I, I still think you're an SEO because you really did hit with almost every answer the key performance indicator of all SEOs. It depends. <laughs> well, that's the consultant head in me. <laughs> never answer yes, never add no. It always is. It depends. <laughs> this has been a huge amount of fun, and I, you know, and, 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 and I, I, I really, really learned a lot about something I thought I knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're out of time. We've gone all around the <laughs> clock. Um, Alan Connect from Connectology, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Um, last question, really quickly: Is this going to be a hard adjustment for SEOs? Do you think? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> Standard answer is. Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Much like programmers, SEOs get caught in their own ruts. And I find vast majority keep doing what they've been doing for years until they end up going to a concert, a conference and realize, man, I've been doing it all wrong. No wonder my clients aren't doing well. But I still sold my client a bill of goods and hey. <laughs> If you're so, a link builder, you're still going to go out there building links. If that's all you think it needs. If you're a content writer, you're going to be out there fixing everyone's content. Nevertheless, people need to evolve and go with the. Go they with do, the but the, gotta never, never stop learning. That's the key. Alan, again, thank you so much for joining us today, friends. That was Alan Connect from Connectology, um, one of the preeminent experts in uh, measurement and analytics in the industry. And as I said, we got on full clock. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beastonk Internet and Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And I want to remind you, COVID is really, really, really real. We're not past it yet. Wear a mask, stay apart from people. Variants, new variants are out there. And, you know, vaccinations are moving quickly, absolutely. But we're not out of the woods yet. Keep, keep exercising precaution, please and we'll get our society back sooner than later friends stay safe rank well be kind to each other we'll talk to you next week the opinions expressed in this wmr.fm program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of wmr.fm Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.